1: From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Boy, it may be hard to remember right at the moment. But not long ago, we were in a severe water emergency. Drought was forcing major water restrictions and leading Marin, for example, to consider running a pipe across the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge. Now, after all these atmospheric rivers, some reservoirs are overflowing and water managers are releasing water to prepare for when the massive Sierra snowpack melts. So today, we talk with water managers from three Bay Area districts about how their systems are handling the whiplash. How much of this water are they able to keep? And what does this year teach us about how to manage water in our changing climate? That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Water districts are complex, unique entities. Each of them has evolved in place a species molded by and to its environment— So up in Marin, they rely on surface reservoirs and some Sonoma water from the Russian River. East Bay Municipal Utilities District is hooked up to the big state infrastructure and is also a big provider of sewer services in the Bay, giving them different problems and opportunities. And the Santa Clara Valley Water District not only runs the water supply, but has responsibility for flood protection and groundwater management. Even though we've all experienced these rains together, the organizations putting the water through to your tap, do not all have the same capacities or troubles. So today, we talk through the short-term radical change in our water picture this winter and look forward to the longer-range planning that we know we must undertake to deal with our future climate. Here to help us think through it all, we're joined by Aaron Baker, Chief Operating Officer in the Water Utility Division of the Santa Clara Valley Water District. Welcome, Aaron.
2: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: We're also joined by Ben Hornstein, the general manager of the Marin Municipal Water District. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. Good morning. And we've got Mike Tognolini, the director of water and natural resources for the East Bay Municipal Utility District, a.k.a. E.B. Mud. Welcome.
3: Good morning. Thank you.
1: So let's start out with just, you know, the the things that have happened in this past week and over the past weeks. And, Mike, maybe we'll, we'll start with you when you've got a big deluge like we had just over the past few days like what changes for you all and are you doing okay
3: uh yes uh thank you yeah we're doing we're doing fine we've uh, um been able to manage our water supply pretty effectively and deal with a large amount of runoff over the last few months um mainly um we recovered our storage uh, from the previous drought year mm-hmm. and then we started releasing additional flows Uh, into creeks and streams and rivers uh, to account for the fact that we've got so much snowpack up in the mountains that we need to be able to make room for that snowpack when it melts. And we're going to get a lot more into that shortly because we're really interested in that.
1: Um, Aaron Baker with uh, Valley Water. Curious for you all, what do your reservoirs look like at this point, especially because I know you've got one of them offline um, in the Anderson Dam.
2: Uh, correct so uh we're actually, we're looking uh we're also looking uh well from from some of these but I, I'll uh, talk about we have 10 local reservoirs in fact um, many of them are op- all of them are operated for for water supply and some of them are actually uh, spilling right now as they're designed to do uh, so we've um, we've been able to fill many of our reservoirs uh with the uh, with the rain that has come in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our reservoirs are a little bit interesting. We don't necessarily have a snowpack here in, in Santa Clara County, so we're, we're reliant more on the on the res, on the rain that we get right now. We also are reliant on um, the Central Valley Project and the State Water Project. And as you alluded to earlier, with with our Anderson mm-hmm. Reservoir being down for seismic retrofit, our largest local reservoir, we're a little bit more reliant on our state and imported um, uh, 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 contracts. And the good news there is that uh, this rain has also filled some of the cornerstone reservoirs uh, for those projects and has improved the snowpack for those projects. So uh, things are looking much better in a water supply standpoint this year than they have for the past couple years. Yeah.
1: Just for our listeners, a little context there, you know, Central Valley and State Water Projects, I mean, those are the big aqueducts that run, you know, from uh, the dams uh, up north, like Oroville and Folsom and all that stuff down, you know, through our area and, and on to uh, Los Angeles. Um, up in Marin, Ben Horstein, you all have a really complex and also uh, different configuration from either or other two water districts. On Why don't you tell us like, how did w- the water comes from Mount Tam, basically, right? The,
4: the That's correct. We have a uh five reservoirs, um, relatively small on Mount Tamalpais, and we have two additional ones in West Marin. And the uh, rains this year, all the atmospheric rivers uh, filled our system. So we're currently 100% full and all the lakes are spilling. Wow.
1: So for your reservoirs, if you're 100% full, let's say it stopped raining. Well, we know it's going to rain next week, but after next week, it stopped raining and it's just like, no rain for the foreseeable future. How much supply is actually up there in Marin?
4: Yeah, so if there was no rain, and of course that has um, never occurred, but let's just make the assumption of no appreciable runoff to replenish the reservoirs. um, Currently, including our supplemental supply that we do get from our Sonoma partners, probably in the order of two and a half to three years of supply.
1: Oh, wow. And have... You know, in the past few years when we've had this really severe drought, you've had to explore some very expensive options for adding supply, right? There was a, a des- floating desalination plant that got floated. There was a possible pipe across the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge. Are those things basically off the table now because you've got plentiful supply in the reservoirs?
4: Yeah, a- absolutely not. What how How we look at what occurred in 2021, and in fact, what occurred this year is really um, uh, validation of many of the climate change models that have been um, predicting um, more variability, more intense, um, but less frequent storms. So, um, we're taking it as an opportunity now to continue efforts to increase the resilience of our water supply in a number of ways.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mike Tognolini with uh, E.B. Mudd, I wanted to ask you about increasing that resilience. I mean, the main supply for E.B. Mud comes right from the Party Dam on the Makalumna River, right? I'm, just, I'm not sure I said that right. but um, McKelmy River. McKelmy, thank you. Um, Mike, So, talk to me about how E.B. Mud has tried to get some more resilience, aside from just getting our main supply
3: from there. Sure. So uh, that's something we've been planning for for many years and continue to plan for. We look out into the future, try to do our best to plan for climate change, and we adapt our plan as we go. I think there's really three main elements, I would say, to our plan. The first is efficiency, um, efficient water use in uh, among our customers, asking them to use water wisely, uh, but also um, having programs to reduce water loss as well as uh, recycle water. So we take uh Wastewater, we recycle it currently, and, and it's used for irrigation and industrial use. That's the efficiency side. Then we want to diversify our, for, our portfolio of water supplies. So we're not relying on just one source, but have access to multiple sources of water in the event that one source is particularly um, short in a given drought. So we've done that. We we've, we've have access to multiple sources of supply in dry years from the Sacramento River, which allows us to access other sources as well. And then thirdly the piece that we're kind of focusing and uh, looking at going forward also is storage so that storage comes in the form of uh underground storage the opportunity to put water in the ground in dry years and make it available excuse me put water in the ground in wet years mm. make it available in dry years or even some uh, limited opportunities for expansion of, of above ground surface water storage
1: hmm. you know aaron baker with uh, valley water you all are tax- tasked with groundwater management there um, in, the, in the region, too. What have you learned about you know, what's happened with the rains this uh, last few months and how that's changed the groundwater picture where you all are?
2: Uh, yeah, excellent question. And uh as many people don't uh, don't quite realize, but uh subsidence is a uh did occur in the Santa Clara County uh up to 13 feet back uh, huh. uh a while ago. Uh and that's one of the main reasons why we're uh why Valley Water is here and with our actions and our investments, we've been able to um, to, to stop the subsidence, and we ha- and it hasn't necessarily been an issue for a while, but it's one of the things that we definitely are looking at and, and want to ensure is that we have uh, sustainable groundwater levels so subsidence doesn't occur in Santa Clara County. Um, and so that's very key to what we look at is, is ensuring, um, ensuring we have uh, sustainable groundwater levels. Um, as what happens here, we actually, uh, our use, we pump out more water than naturally occurs, and so we have an aggressive recharge program uh, that makes sure that we can recharge that water back into the aquifers uh so that we can maintain those levels so that subsidence isn't an issue and so that wells don't go dry uh mm-hmm. to um to make sure that uh, we can have sustainable uh, water levels here so it's interesting that um that uh, yes that we have groundwater is a, is a key part of uh santa clara county's um uh, water supply
1: yeah and just for for those who aren't familiar with the term subsidence right is when the land falls in response to the pumping out of um underground reservoirs. Big big problem across uh, Central Valley and up in the Delta and and other places as well. We're talking with three Bay Area water managers about dealing with this recent influx of water from all these storms, as well as the coming snow melt and what this kind of drought deluge pattern means for the future of water management. We're joined by Aaron Baker, Chief Operating Officer in the Water Utility Division of Santa Clara Valley Water District, Ben Hornstein, General Manager of Marin Municipal Water District, and Mike Tognolini, Director of Water and Natural Resources at the East Bay Municipal Utility District. We want to hear from you. Have, you. have the rains changed your approach to water conservation? Are your showers longer? Like, are you are you changing things? And do you have questions about how our water system works? We've got three experts right here on the line. You can give us a call. The number is 866 733 6786 That's 866 6786 The email is forum at kqed.org. And of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're KQED Forum. Um, ben Hornstein, what's your message to the customers of Moran Municipal Water? I mean, are you telling them maybe you can ease off on water restrictions? What does it mean that we've had these rains?
4: Yeah, it, it, again, just validates the reality of climate change and things are going to be different in the future. And um, uh, for us, our agency, similar to to many, if not all around the Bay Area, the primary focus is water use efficiency and conservation. And the, the fact that this has been a great year doesn't change that. Water is a limited resource that we need to um, use wisely and really double down on our conservation efforts and our messaging and partnering with the community on how we use this water and um, thoughtfully decrease our demand on the system over time to stretch the resources so that that is really our message it's our continuing message our customers responded in an amazing way during the drought and reduced consumption and have maintained it all through this wet period and our message to to them is let's continue to partner and continue to conserve while we um explore hmm. diversifying and bringing in additional supplies.
1: Yeah. I mean, is the concern that basically if you tell people, all right, it's OK to use water right now, it might be hard to rebuild those habits of water conservation when the drought inevitably comes back?
4: Yeah. You know, you know, m- much of conservation is hardened. You, you, you know, you do have the behavior of shorter showers, hmm. and certainly that is something that, that can be short term. But when you replace a lawn, to yeah. drought tolerant landscape, you get the benefits that year in years and years in the future. future. Right, Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much. We're talking with three Bay Area water managers about dealing with the recent influx of water after years of drought. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera,
1: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with three Bay Area water managers about dealing with the recent influx of rain over these past few months. After years of drought and looking forward to the snowmelt out of the Sierras in the coming months. We're joined by Mike Tognolini, Director of Water and Natural Resources at East Bay Municipal Utility District. Ben Hornstein, General Manager with Marin Municipal Water District. And Aaron Baker, Chief Operating Officer of the Water Utility Division at Santa Clara Valley Water District. We're going to be taking some of your calls on your approach to water conservation uh, given the rain. And if you have any questions about these actual systems that deliver water to your tap, you can give us a call. The number is 866 733 6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're kqedforum. Let's, uh, let's take a call. Uh, Bonnie in Santa Rosa, welcome.
6: Hi, how are you doing?
1: Doing well. Thanks for calling.
6: Yeah, listen, one good rain season shouldn't really make us too complacent. Uh, we still need to put the emphasis, I believe, on conservation. Up in Santa Rosa, we have through the city water uh, what's called a client portal mm-hmm. where you can sign up to get feedback on how much water you're using on a daily basis. And uh, I found that extremely helpful in uh, during the last year in getting me to... Um, look at different ways to conserve in my household usage. And if I I hope other people in other districts have that, it's very, very helpful. Mm. The only good thing about this year is I'm going to be able to plant uh, string (laughs) beans in my garden this summer. I'll feel confident I'll have enough water to uh, take care of those. So just a little word about conservation and thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, Mike Tognolini, let's uh, go to you on this one. I mean, how do you see the deployment of these kind of technological tools that let people kind of take control of their water usage in different ways by having data about it?
3: I think they're, they're excellent tools to make sure that customers have more information about their water use. They can help identify leaks. If you have you know constant water use throughout the night, that might be an indication that you've got a leak, leak somewhere in your home. Uh, they can help you use water more efficiently in a lot of ways, and they are available on the market. East Bay Mud. if you go to ebmud.com, we uh, our conservation page uh, under the drought will allow you to um, get information about uh, some of these products and some of the rebates that we offer if you're interested in installing one of these devices mm. at your home. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Aaron Baker with Valley Water. You know, it's been an emergency mode for the past few years and you get to sort of leave that emergency mode this winter what does that allow you to do within the system to kind of improve it when you're not just kind of eking out, um, the most water you can from a drought year? Uh,
2: Excellent question. Uh, as you can imagine, you know, we, um, Uh, we have quite a complex system and uh, we have been moving water in various places and running the system (laughs) i I guess as you said eking out is is actually a good term but we've been you know running the system in in various ways It, it hasn't really been run a whole lot before trying to make sure that we get every last drop to the right place to the right recharge facility to all those other things And so, um, you know, being able to have uh, a little bit more flexibility in some of the sources, uh, the availability of supply in various places will allow us to, um, you know, uh, 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 send. Better water to, or send higher water quality water to our treatment plants, which uh, helps us reduce chemical usage and and some of those other things there. So it really does allow us a little bit more flexibility in being able to do that. Not only that, but we'll be able to, uh, you know, as our infrastructure ages, we have an aggressive program to maintain the pipelines and the delivery systems and the treatment plants that that all are required, to, you know, to make sure that safe, clean water gets to uh, gets to our our residents and businesses. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of breathing room, um, you know, to try to get that squared away and then not only that but take some of the lessons learned what we had from this drought on on how we were operating and what we were doing and seeing how we're going to help prepare because the next one is going to come and maybe there's some other improvements to our system to help us a little more drought resilient just from an operation standpoint
1: Hmm. let's uh go to uh danny in san francisco who has a good question welcome
6: hey how you doing today um great program I have a quick question. Uh, I've heard that at least four of our reservoirs and dams in the California's water system have been dumping water to make room for snowmelt in the spring now. And we have an infrastructure set up already to pump water out of the Colorado, Lake Mead, and places like that. Why don't we have a multi-state system that allows us to pump water back into mm-hmm. the east, Uh, so that we build up those reserves there instead of dumping the water uh, and, and in essence,
1: wasting it. Yeah. Tricky. Tricky. Um, Why don't we go to Mike uh, with East Bay Municipal Utility District on, you know, why we end up dumping water out of reservoirs?
3: Well, I I think, uh, as the caller mentioned, the, the reason we we have to release water from reservoirs is to make room for what's yet to come. When we know it's coming. When we have a snowpack, we release that water because we know we're going to refill when the snow melts. Uh, as to the question about multi-state um, infrastructure, uh, the Colorado River system is an example of that, but these are huge financial um, mm-hmm. um, investments that would need to be made to consider something more broad. And also remember that when water is released from reservoirs, it's not that it's being wasted or dumped. It's actually in a lot of cases providing benefit for other uh, purposes such as uh, fishery recovery So there are a lot of different uh, considerations when you look at at how uh, reservoirs are operated
1: yeah um Aaron Baker, I wanted to get your perspective on this big Sierra snowpack melting I mean when you look at the the numbers for the snowpack it looks like we may get an all-time uh, record snowpack. How do you have to prepare for that? Scenario: Does it change much for you or is that more the people who are on the kind of state water management side?
2: Uh, yeah, it's mostly on the on the state and federal projects uh, here in Santa Clara County, although it, interesting, you know, I guess. Climate change and this that, and the other thing—we had uh, more snow dusting on our on our on our on our hills than we've had before. I think the the county had to, you know, um, had to had to rent snow plows for the first time to kind of uh, move some things around, you know, with some of those storms. So, uh, but yes, um, we are both a state water project contractor and a Central Valley project contractor, and many of those reservoirs um, rely on some of the snowpack uh, to help refill those reservoirs during the summer months um, to to help continue uh, those types of things. So, a larger snowpack means a larger Larger allocation for us mm-hmm. uh, moving forward, so that's definitely a you know a, a, a key decider in in um, what our our allocation from those those uh, reservoirs are, and so a large snowpack is is uh, generally very good for us. Yeah,
1: have you been allocated any water in recent years, or at times right, people have been fully cut off?
2: Uh, Yes, that's a a very complex uh, topic. Uh, So uh, this year, uh, or as of right now, we have a a state water project allocation of of 35% of our contract amount. And then we have a Central Valley project allocation of... 75% 75% of our municipal industrial amount and 35% of our agricultural amount. This is considerably higher than our previous allocations that we had before, uh, ranging in the, you know, anywhere from 0% to 5% uh, mm-hmm. in some of these previous years here. So um, so our initial allocations or our allocations that we're looking at this year are much better than they were in previous years. And um, the final allocations usually come in April. So these, these allocations could go up. So um, the allocations that we'll get on the projects this year will be considerably higher than what we have received in, in previous years. And I think as you've heard you know, throughout the area that uh, many other contractors are reliant on these supplies. And so it's been very difficult with the previous lower allocations um, that we've received in those previous years. Yeah, have
1: got some great comments coming from listeners, really smart questions here. Um, One listener writes, uh, and this one's coming to you, Ben. Um, I'm a Marin resident. Recently, I spoke with a neighbor who said that there was a missed opportunity to increase capacity in our reservoirs, specifically that the lakes could have been dredged to remove buildup, presumably, right, that'd make them deeper, so there'd be more room for for water. Is this true? And if so, why wasn't it done?
4: Yeah, so that that certainly is a um, possibility. The challenge of dredging lakes is the cost relative to other supply alternatives. Um, It is quite difficult. Um, You're disturbing old sediments that can have water quality issues and you have a tremendous material handling um, challenge and cost. So at the end of the day, it could be um, to increase um, your supply through that maybe ten times the cost as other options. We are looking at targeted en- enhancement of our local storage. Um, through different ways. So that that's a real opportunity for us, as well as um, regional groundwater storage is an opportunity we're working with our North Bay partners with. Yeah.
1: You know, there's another uh, question on that. Why don't, why don't we stick with you, Ben, and then I'm going to come to you, Mike, on this one. Marsha writes, why isn't California adding to aquifers instead of the evaporative reservoirs? I'd say surface lakes for people who are thinking about that. Or are water departments doing this? Uh, you mentioned you've got this perspective um, groundwater water situation with North Bay partners?
4: Right, right. We, we have a, a regional effort um, with Sonoma Water and a number of other contractors that are looking at um, three groundwater basins. The biggest one is the Santa Rosa Plains for an opportunity to do what Mike had referenced and others are doing now, which is during wet years, um, put water in and then have the ability to extract some of the water during dry years.
1: Mike, you want to talk about um, what you all are working on on that?
3: Sure. So um, East Bay Mud has been working. We don't have a significant, we have a small groundwater basin here in the East Bay, but the significant groundwater basin for East Bay Mud to store water in would be in San Joaquin County mm-hmm. uh, in the Stockton and Lodi area. We have our our pipeline, our infrastructure that runs through there as our, our aqueducts take water from Party Reservoir to the East Bay and that groundwater basin is overdrafted by on the in excess of a million acre feet hmm. so there's a significant amount of vi- available storage underground a million acre feet for reference that's more than all of our uh, above ground reservoir storage that east mud has today wow so so we've been working with San Joaquin County interests local growers irrigation districts and the county um, itself on piloting a groundwater storage project where we take water in wet years off of the river, uh, provide it to a grower who uh, does not pump the groundwater that he normally would pump. That Mm. then um, creates additional groundwater storage underground that we can then take advantage of in a dry year. So we leave some of it behind to benefit the groundwater basin Mm. and some of it would be available for East Bay mud to use. So we've we've piloted that. We've had a successful pilot so far. And the uh, expectation and plan would be that we expand that to a larger scale in the years to come. Well, that's so
1: interesting. So it wouldn't be pump water in and then pump it back out. Instead, it would be on a wet time. You'd provide it somewhere within that groundwater basin and then not directly in the same way you would you would pump out from somewhere else.
3: Yeah, that's one of the mechanisms. We could also provide direct recharge. Uh, um, there are opportunities to put uh, water over land to allow percolation to mm-hmm. occur. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple ways to uh, recharge a groundwater basin uh, that we want to use any and all that might be available and work best in that community. Yeah,
1: let's uh, bring in uh, Dina in Greenbreak. Welcome.
7: All right, thank you for the program. I'm one of those kooky people that put in like four water storage tanks on my property (laughs) since I'm on over an acre Mm -hmm. and uh also put in a gray water system and I'm thinking there could even be a situation where other like even municipal roofs and other things where they could have their own water storage so it could be truly local for for landscape yeah landscape usage
1: do you know, what were the difficulties of, of putting it in?
7: Well, you order the tanks, you know, roll them into place, connect. And then I actually had an overflow situation where I created a pond <laughs> <laughs> from, the, from the overflow water.
1: Wow. And you use that with... that water for your kind of a gardening purposes and egg stuff.
7: Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all for landscaping. That's great. But with the rebates, I mean, MMWD gave us a $1,000 rebate for the first tank that we bought. And the other tanks, I, you know, just paid myself. Yeah. Um, But for landscaping, it's been great. Oh, well, thank
1: you, Dean. I'm sure your yard looks fantastic, Uh, even in the the drought. Um, Ben, I wanted to ask you about how effective those rebates have been. Um, Has that been a program that has, has worked for you all?
4: Yeah, it was great to hear the speaker taking advantage of our incentive and rebate program. Yeah, we continue to work with our community to understand the interests and um, try and tailor our incentives and rebates to support and promote the kind of activity and initiative that she did. We're very focused on looking at gray water, looking at rain catchment, as well as turf replacement. That is probably the largest opportunity we have.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to uh, zoom out with you, Mike, a little bit. I mean, it's uh, East Bay Municipal Utility District's hundredth year of operation, right? And if you were designing the system now, you know, knowing that the climate is changing, knowing we have so many more people, like, how
3: would you do it differently? Well, that's a great question and a tough one. Um, yeah, I think if you uh, you mentioned our our hundred year anniversary this year, our centennial. A uh, hundred years ago, when East Bay Mud was formed, uh, a big reason why it was created was because of lack of water supply reliability, among other things, uh, including uh, um, poor infrastructure, water quality, and uh, affordability issues. So, when you look at in the context of what water districts do and what East Bay Mud does, it's all four of those things it's uh, reliable water supply, uh, reliable infrastructure, good water quality, and uh, affordable prices. So how would we design our system differently today? I'm not sure that we would uh, have have changed too much about it. Um, It's been an effective system that our predecessors put in place that lasted for uh, many, many decades. And while we have um, supplemented that with some additional facilities, access to a different, uh, additional rivers, and um, other ways that we look at water supply reliability, All in all, the system has been extremely functional and very, very effective for 100 years. Now, we will need to do things differently going forward. And that includes, as I mentioned, water efficiency, continue to diversify our sources of supply uh, and look for ways that we can store water in wet years and make it available in dry years. Yeah.
1: And there's so you don't think there needs to be like a radical change to the way the system works, even if we are entering this
3: period of drought and deluge. I think, um, no, I, I think uh, honestly that we've we've done some planning and we've done, uh, what, what we saw in the last two years in terms of drought was within the realm of what we expected to see. Now we're gonna see worse and worse. And as was pointed out, there's more and more variability. It's really a, a matter of many, many drought years and every once in a while we get uh, a wet year like this year. So we've gotta figure out how to manage a little differently Mm And uh, absolutely, we're going to need to make changes. But fundamentally, the system has been working. And, you know, we're here to to uh, provide a a reliable water supply. And we've been doing that. We'll continue to do that. Um,
1: Listener Kathleen writes, I saw a Sonoma County official say they were stopping water conservation requirements. I think this is a huge mistake. People need to get in the habit of conserving. Stopping conservation requirements is going to require another huge education effort. When the next drought period hits, full reservoirs do not mean the drought is over. If you're interested in that particular topic, you can listen to a couple of our previous water shows where we walked through the different definitions of drought um, and how you might... uh, Think about that beyond just, you know, the amount of rain falling from the sky. We're talking with three Bay Area water managers about dealing with the recent influx of water from all the atmospheric rivers, as well as the coming snowmelt and what the drought to deluge future means for water management. We're joined by Aaron Baker, Chief Operating Officer with the Water Utility Division of Santa Clara Valley Water District, Ben Hornstein, General Manager with Marin Municipal Water District, and Mike Tognolini, director of water and natural resources with the east bay municipal utility district love to hear your questions for water managers about our water system or your approach to water conservation you can give us a call the number is 866-733-6786 that's 866-733-6786 the email is forum at kqed.org you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at kqed forum i'm alexis madrigal stay tuned for more right after the break Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with three Bay Area water managers about dealing with the recent influx of water from the storms after years of drought. We're joined by Valley Waters' Aaron Baker, Marin Municipal Water District's Ben Hornstein, and East Bay Municipal Utility District's Mike Tognolini, and we're taking your calls and questions, of course. Every time we do a show on water, Ben, this one's coming to you, We get a lot of calls and questions about desalination. Daniel writes in to say, I know desalination is enormously expensive, but only so much water conservation is possible. At some point, we're going to face the music. How do we convince municipalities that we'll have to invest in this infrastructure, cost notwithstanding? Another listener writes, I've always heard desalination is not possible because it is very energy intensive. But what about using our bountiful solar to run a desalination plant? This seems so obvious, but there must be a good reason why it's not being pursued. And Aaron writes, So much of the conversation seems to be around efficiency and conservation. Could we instead solve this by massively increasing supply? I've heard talk of statewide nuclear or solar-powered desalination infrastructure ideas, but don't know how realistic that would be. So... Ben Hornstein, rain on everybody's parade on Desal Nation. I'm just kidding. Tell tell us what makes it so uh, difficult. And, you know, the listeners sound like they know that it's a a difficult proposition.
4: Yeah, I I do want to acknowledge that desal is very attractive. Um, Certainly coastal communities and the ocean and the bays always going to be there. So it is a drought-proof supply. And I don't believe any water agencies are ruling it out into the future, nor are we. Um, it, it is very, very costly and very um, technically um, complex. The other thing for us for desal, is those systems best work and are best designed as part of your baseload supply, meaning you're running it all the time. If you need supplemental supply once every three years, once every four years, those systems don't really work to just sit, and expect them to operate for a lot of technical reasons when you turn them on. So that's one of the challenges as well, of course, as the carbon footprint that these have very, very energy intensive, nonwithstanding certainly the opportunity of solar and other sort of renewable ways to run these facilities. So what we are, in fact, in the portfolio of alternatives that we're looking at, we're, there is an innovative diesel project that we're looking at with some regional partners on the Petaluma River. It's just a concept at this point, mm-hmm. but the benefit of that sort of project is it's not as salty. So the energy demand is far less. So it's really a different sort of desalination.
1: process. So that's like you're using brackish water, not. Exactly.
4: That's exactly it.
1: And I I remember seeing some numbers on this at some point, but it's like a really different amount of desalination. Right. The, the, The amount of minerals that are dissolved in the water is much, much, much smaller. Right. But what's the sort of rough magnitude of that?
4: Yeah, probably on the order of 5 to 10% of the salt that you'd find in the bay or the ocean. So yeah. it's not a direct linear relationship with energy, but you can probably think of it that way. So yeah. much, much less energy input into the system.
1: That's interesting. Um, we're, let's start with uh, Mike, and then we're going to go to Aaron on this one. Um, Richard writes in to say, I'd like to hear from the water managers if groundwater recharge will ever get beyond the stage of pilot projects to larger scale efforts. Uh, and maybe, you know, another way of phrasing that, Mike, is sort of what's the what are the hang
3: ups on, you know, scaling up those groundwater recharge projects? That's a great question. It's uh, groundwater recharge is not a new concept. It's something that East Bay mud has been interested in for a very long time, but it, it requires partnership. And trust with for in our case with local communities that are outside of our service area. Mm-hmm. So we've been working for many years with uh, interest in San Joaquin County to try to develop this program, and it's it's taken some time, frankly, to build that trust. Another big factor is the development of the uh, the implementation of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act or SIGMA, which uh, put requirements on local entities to manage their groundwater basins sustainably. So for a place where there may be a significant amount of overdraft, uh, such as San Joaquin County, they need to look at alternatives to bring more water into their basins. And that can include partnering with an agency like East Bay Mud. So I think now there's more opportunity and the timing is right for developing those kinds of uh, large scale programs and getting beyond a pilot. Aaron, do you agree with that?
2: Uh, yes and and actually uh, I think uh, uh, for valley water we've been actually doing, groundwater recharge since uh, 1929. We, we were started, uh, you know, in, in, in that particular realm. And um, we have uh, an extensive network of recharge ponds locally where we're, where we're able to recharge both uh, local water from our reservoirs uh, and uh, imported water to ensure that we can have sustainable water supplies for us. Uh, we are also um, a member uh, or have water in the Semi-Tropic Groundwater Bank and are also looking at uh, other ways we're looking to diversify our groundwater banking supplies. So um, there are some complexities to where that is. Is, but uh, as some of the previous callers talked about uh, groundwater banking does have um, you know does have some serious benefits and, and we're definitely looking at we are involved heavily right now in both uh, locally sustainable groundwater we're also involved in uh, groundwater banking for some of our importer supplies and we're looking at diversifying our groundwater banking uh, of those importer supplies Cool.
1: Um, let's get to another groundwater question here Nikki in uh, San Francisco
7: Hi there. Um, When I see the pictures of Pajaro and all these fields flooded, it seems like we can't quickly enough get floodwater down back into replenish the overpumped aquifers in groundwater basin. I'm just wondering, are we looking at a disastrous growing season? And is Mm -hmm. it alarmist to start thinking that perhaps, you know, the inland ancient lake in the Central Mm -hmm. Valley might start reforming? I'm starting to see some comments online about that. Is this alarmist or what?
1: Oh, Nikki, I'm not sure our um, guests are the exact right people to, uh, to answer this question about Tulare Lake, You know, which most people don't know, but a lot of that southern um, San Joaquin Valley was, in fact, a, a lake at one point. Um, and it certainly looks like it's back um, and, and may get more so as uh, the, the snowmelt uh, continues. Um, Mike, maybe because you all have the most uh, exposure here. I mean, how are you thinking about you know this the, the coming perspective disaster of uh, flooding there out of the Sierras?
3: Uh yeah, it's it's a very significant concern that uh, um, farmland in particular is going to be wet and flooded late into the season, making it difficult for planting. Uh, and affecting the timing of of crops, it it all depends on the crop, of course, and the specific location. So I, I can't speak very well mm-hmm. generally about what's going to happen, but there will be impacts. Um, in terms of of uh, as a caller noted, it's difficult to take all this water that comes down in a matter of a few days or weeks or months and get it to recharge into a groundwater basin effectively. Some areas uh, have programs. Uh, that rely on something called managed aquifer recharge, uh, where, uh, they can f- intentionally flood certain fields with certain crops that may be dormant in the winter and allow recharge to occur over broader areas, uh, to more effectively, uh, recharge a groundwater basin. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And Nikki, I just wanted to, uh, point you to a show we did with Erica guys, um, on some of these groundwater recharge areas that essentially have just much greater porosity than some other areas. And also that specifically to uh, Pajaro, you might want to listen to the California report from earlier today, where they were talking with um, some of the farm worker advocates there about the difficulties that people are going to have planning those fields. So we do have answers for you here at KQED, um, just maybe not in this um, particular hour. Um, Gregory uh, writes in to say... We don't have the money for any of this. We can't even fix a minuscule fraction of the failing levies or the billion other failing infrastructure needs along with an infinite number of people. We can never fix this place. We're losing ground on every front. Is there actually anyone who thinks we can turn this around? Your guest said it's going to get worse, but he said it's a great system nonetheless. Um, what do you, what do you uh, think, Mike? I thought you were saying the climate was going to get worse, but that the system could be made
3: resilient. That's correct. Yeah, I think that's, that's a fair statement. The Climate's going to get worse. Variability is gonna get more difficult to manage. We have many tools in place today and we're continuing to develop new tools to respond to our ever-changing climate. So uh, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to continue to meet our water supply needs uh, based on what we've done so far and our plans going forward. Yeah. Let's take another question on the big picture here.
1: Catherine in Menlo Park, welcome. <laughs>
6: Hi, hey, good morning. Um, but I appreciate all the work done at the the local levels, um, and uh, and uh, the the real solution, I think, um, needs to be um, a statewide water um, policy that we just seem to be completely lacking. And acknowledging, here we are in an arid environment. It does not rain in the summer here. <laughs> we have only so many months of rain when in the best years Um, I grew up in the Santa Cruz mountains and we had a private water system. We paid what water really costs to to be supplied um, to us. And um, as long as we're like living here, uh, like in a municipal water system where people are trying to keep the cost down, it's, it's unrealistically low and we're not going to get, um, we don't have the incentives that we need at the, uh, personal and governmental level to, um, to, to really tackle this problem, Mm. um, head on.
1: Yeah. Catherine in, uh, Menlo park. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that comment. I mean, Aaron Baker, do you all have the, I, I guess the, Ability, both you know, financially, but also on a policy level, to deliver what what you need to do here in this changing climate.
2: That's a, a an excellent question, and and of course, affordability is is one of the things that's, that's key on our, our mind as we as we move forward. But uh, we are, at least for Valley Water, we're entering an, an age of of significant investment in order to have a sustainable water supply as the climate as climate changes for us. Um, you know, understanding, um, as we manage, uh, water for, uh, the environment for agricultural and for our municipal and industrial uses, uh, understanding, um, what our, um, you know how those imported water supplies are going to look, and understanding uh, the investments we need to make sure to ensure that our reservoirs and all those other recharge ponds and everything are there. So, we have a, a very aggressive, uh, or we have a, a very complex program that looks out quite a ways as to, you know, what what investments need to be made on the asset management wise, what uh, what programs are we looking to do, how are we diversifying our our st- storage, how are we diversifying our supply, um, and so for us, uh, at least in the in the Valley Water. Uh, uh, standpoint, there will be some investment that'll be needed to be made. And we are looking at, um, you know, reasonable uh, increases, uh, but we do keep affordability definitely in mind. Uh, but uh, all of these investments are needed uh, to ensure a safe, clean, reliable supply of water for for Santa Clara County.
1: You know, the, Aaron, I wanted to follow up on, on this with you. Um, You all have a much broader ambit than most water districts. And I noticed that you all talk about, quote, holistic water management. And I think that's in part because you're integrating, you know, the supply and flood control and also groundwater. Um, What are the things you've learned about being able to manage all those things as opposed to having those functions kind of split up among different agencies?
2: (sighs) Uh, well actually it's it's uh it's uh, that's an excellent question and so hopefully uh I, what we're striving to do here is is understand and, and like i mentioned before is is a lot of these these balances between you know the environment the agricultural use the municipal industrial use and 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 looking at those types of things and so with a complex mission like that uh what we really do is we work internally to understand uh you know how should we be operating or how are we operating reservoirs how are we uh looking at the creeks how are we looking at the uh recharge facilities how are we you know um, working together to kind of do that, uh, and on an internal level, so we're able to very, very. Uh, um you know, uh, very keenly work with each other to make sure that we're, you know, keeping all of those things in mind um, as uh, as as sometimes if you were just, say, working in a silo and I was just thinking water supply, we we may not have uh, some of the other ideas in mind. And what happens is synergies develop. So we understand that, hey, if we work together, or, you know, internally, if we work together on these things, we can get this environmental benefit. Or if we work together on this, we can get this, you know, flood risk reduction benefit. Or if we do those types of things, these are the types of things where we can work together, you know, on, on that side and kind of kind of help that uh, move forward and then all, not only that but it actually helps us uh, you know, and the synergy of, of uh, um, you know, when we make these new uh, projects or investments or other things like that, um, you know, obtaining natural resource permitting or doing all those other things, when we come together with a project that has all of those benefits uh, in mind, it's typically will help us uh, in the permitting process or in those, those types of things moving mm-hmm. forward. So, so yeah, so that's, yeah. Uh, that's how we, uh, I think one of the benefits of being such a diverse agency.
1: Yeah. Ben Hornstein, general manager with the Marin Municipal Water District. I mean, I understand there's a lot of political realities, financial realities, you know, th- just th- there are difficult things about operating in the real world. But are there really radical or innovative things that you feel like you or other water districts should be doing, but can't because they're essentially hung up in in politics or old ways of thinking about water management?
4: I, I, I don't think so. I, I think there's a, a an awareness and a growing understanding that um, what we have a lot of work in front of us, and the, there's certainly uh, financial implications of that. Um, you, you know, in water resiliency, as Aaron mentioned, is is more than how much water you have; It's also being able to deliver it to your customers reliably, twenty four seven being prepared for emergencies, seismic events, wildfires. So, yeah, there's it's a complex array of issues when we think about our mission of reliably um, delivering safe and clean water to our customers. And there's a tremendous amount of work and thought and planning in the future as we look into it, going into it. But I, I do believe our community and certainly our, our board and elected officials and others, um, understand that, that there's a lot of work ahead. These are um, systems that are showing their age and there's a lot of innovation opportunities and partnering with regional entities um, to, to think differently going into the future.
1: Yeah. Do you think anything needs to change at the state level? Um,
4: I, well, we're we're getting a, a lot of support in terms of uh, grant opportunities in the state, which is so appreciated and recognition that we do need support. It's. Um th- these issues are too big for individual um, agencies to deal with by ourselves and support from the state and the federal government and working in regional relationships and partnering. I, I do see it moving more and more in that direction. And it's certainly the right direction. And we, we do appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Um, last uh, fun comment for you, Mike. One listener writes in to say East Bay mud water tastes great. Why do so many people still buy bottled water and waste plastic? And the funny thing about it is, right? I mean, you all consider like the water up at the dam raw water, right? And you actually do manufacture it into the mix, the particular mix of water that then comes out of the tap.
3: Sure. Um, yeah, we're very proud of our water quality. It's uh, it's something that uh, many people uh, recognize in our system. And we do... Uh, a lot of work to make sure that not only do we have as as well protected a source water as possible, but also that we treat it uh, to the standards, to above the standards that are required and make sure that it's healthy and safe and make sure that uh, we continue to provide a good tasting water. And it's really, I, I think important for our customers to know that they can rely on the safety and 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 uh, uh, quality of the water that is served at their taps so that uh, they shouldn't have to rely on uh, drinking water out of a uh, out of a bottle out of a plastic bottle
1: we've been talking with three bay area water managers about dealing with the recent deluge after years of drought we've been joined by mike tognolini director of water national natural resources at the east bay municipal utility district ben hornstein general manager with marin municipal water district and Aaron Baker, Chief Operating Officer with the Water Utility Division for Santa Clara Valley Water District. Thanks so much to all three of you, as well as all of our listeners. Thank you so much for your calls and comments. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim.
0: Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation,